Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Developing Communities, the DevRel podcast. Now, I must admit and apologize that we have had a little bit of a break over the last couple of months. We haven't produced any more episodes whilst we've been working on some other projects, but we are back now. We have a great set of guests lined up over the coming weeks and none more so than who we have with us today. That is Tim Carey. Today, Tim is a developer advocate at Content Squared, but prior to that, he was actually with Algolia. Initially as a software developer, in fact, he was one of the first 15 employees at Algolia, which we probably all know is a massive company now. And Tim is also a speech coach for specifically developers. So Tim comes with a huge amount of unique perspectives and information. And in this episode, we take a dive through his journey of DevRel, how he moved from software development into advocacy, and also get to pick his brain about his unique perspectives and how to become successful in this field. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode starring Tim Carey. Welcome back, everyone. So, we have another great show for you today. And I'm here, of course, with my normal co-host, Alex. Alex, how are you doing today in the beautiful area of Bordeaux? Good. Uh, normal, though. Is that how you describe me these days? Normal? Yeah, yeah. my normal co Well, as in, I mean, like, regular co-host. Uh, okay. <laughs> I would never describe you as normal, Alex. <laughs> At I least not when you had bright red hair. Right. Exactly. And we have a great guest. Uh, today with us, we have Tim Carey. So Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Happy to chat. To start with, why don't we spend just a couple of minutes getting acquainted. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, your role, and how you got into DevRel? Sure. So I'm currently the first and only developer advocate at Content Square. Uh, I used to be a developer advocate at Algolia before. That might have been the position I've been the most known for in the DevRel scope. Uh, I did a quick uh, stunt at Doctolib, not really DevRel related, uh, front-end engineer. And I also have been giving some public speaking session uh, training in Paris, France for a while, uh, especially for developers to help them uh, go on stage and talk more about what they do. Uh, before that, I've been a developer for, I think it's been a few years, I'm saying that I've been a developer for 12 years, so now it should be 14 or 15, something like that. Wow, yeah, that's, uh, that's a long time, uh, a, a long time for, for, for yeah, this but, industry, is, which is quite quite new. The DevRel one, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, had, I think I, I, at some, when I was at Algolia, at some point, we opened a position for a developer advocate. And uh, I, I was already working there as a front-end engineer. It was a small startup. I started when we were about 15. We might have been 50 at the time we opened the position. And I had no idea this job title existed. And some of my coworkers told me, well, that's what you're doing already. You're doing some demos and uh, you are hosting events and you're going into conference. Why don't you internally apply? So that's what I did, and that's how I 
officially became a developer advocate, having no idea this position actually existed. <laughs> it's funny. I think most people end up, including myself, you know, end up in this position not realizing that it existed beforehand and kind of, you know, and almost being shot. But people pay you for that? Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But that's incredibly early to join Algolia. I mean, we know it now is such a prominent player in the in the in in the space and you you said you joined as a developer when they were 15 15 yeah when we were about 15 it was a small office in paris at arts et metiers i remember in my first day uh, i had to build my own ikea table to be able to work because it was really the early day of the startup you, you have to build your own stuff to to be able to actually sit and and work uh, we were three javascript engineers i heard about at the same time uh, and because I was already involved into Parisian meetups, uh, I was already doing a few talks and helping organize meetups in Paris. I dedicated some of my time doing that at Algolia. And this is how the whole DevRel um, department at Algolia started. But the nice thing about Algolia uh, at the beginning was that actually everybody was doing DevRel. Every developer was doing talks and writing blog posts and talking about what they were doing. It was it was a job. It was. It was. I mean, it was a skill. It was not a, a job position. Yeah, I feel like yeah, right. it's kind of... Algolia has so many talented people going through. Like the first time that Tim reached out, and I saw that he went through Algolia, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get to know another one of those like brilliant people that I absolutely <laughs> want to get acquainted with. Um, and uh, and um, I, I I was wondering though, on, in Content Square, you said that you were the first DevWell. Does that mean it was like the first time a position was open, or? Or there was anyone yeah. handling uh, before things? So I don't know if you've ever heard of Content Square before inviting me to your podcast, but actually before being contacted by their recruiting team, I never really heard about the company, to be to be honest. Uh, I know they raised a lot of money, but from a developer perspective, I had never heard of them. So that's why I, they need, actually needed uh, someone doing DevRel for them. So they realized that uh, it's hard to hire people, especially tech people, when nobody knows about what your company is doing. It might be hard to keep them for a long time as well. It's harder to do partnerships if nobody heard of uh, what you're doing. Uh, basically, it's hard to have some credibility and trust in the, when you're talking to developers, when developers don't know what you do. So that's why they wanted to start doing some DevRel, but they only had a really broad idea and not really know what to do and that's why they required someone to that had already done it to help them uh, think a bit more about what could be done uh, so that's why i'm the first and only developer advocate so far at uh, at content square i say i'm a developer advocate because this is the job title that's the most known in the industry but some people refer to the title as uh, tech ambassador or developer relation person. That's because I'm doing, because I'm the only one. It's I'm, a bit of context, Content Square is, uh, we celebrated the 10 years anniversary of the company recently. Uh, so it's uh, old company in some ways, not, not a young startup anymore, but they had never really done any dev initiative before. So I have to both do the groundwork of uh, hosting meetups and ordering the pizzas and uh, reviewing the blog post, but also thinking about the long-term strategy of where we want to be in one year and two years and so on. So it's uh, uh, I have a lot of things to do, but I, I love it. 
that's one of the advantages of being the first. It's like everything has to be done and everything you do has a huge impact. But that's also the downside, like everything has to be done and by you. <laughs> and uh, I, one of the things that I really hear in what you're saying that was not so proeminent with some other guests maybe is that Content Square where we need to be closer to developers also in order to be uh, able to hire talents. So I'm wondering like who decided after 10 years to hire a DevRel? Was it the, the, the HR, HR department who was like, this is a role for someone to get developers closer to us or... It's actually a more broader initiative at uh, Content Square. Uh, it's it's about having impact uh, in a broader sense, like not just uh, making money and increasing the revenue and selling more product. Uh, there really was this. I'm. It's not the exact quote, but something similar. Our CEO said recently that he's uh, not a very humble person, but he said like basically Content Square. We we won. We're a unicorn. Uh, we raised a lot of money. We're making a lot of money, but that's not enough. Uh, we want. We don't want to be known for just because we're a company that makes a lot of money. Uh, we want to have a positive impact on the planet, on the person, socially, environmentally, and so we need to to help to give back to the community, to give back to all the people that helped us, and it goes through the fact that we need developers. Uh, our internal developers to share more about what they do internally to the external world. We need to give back to the developer community. Um, we have to redefine what it means to be a successful company, and it's not only about money. So DevRel fits into that to really help. The, we are about 400 um, um, developers in a broad sense uh, at Content Square. So all those people build the company build the product. So now we want them to be able to share what they learn inside to the outside world. So I would say it comes from the top, but that's also why we hired people, uh, chief impact officer and uh, VP sustainability and all those uh, weird job titles for a company to do more than just uh, developing a better product and selling more um, more accounts. You were... Yeah. What, what, what exactly does Content Square um do and what and what's your role you know as as the advocate in that yeah sense? sure maybe i should have started with that uh, that's <laughs> one of the main difference uh with working at a company like algolia that content square is not developing a product that is going to be used by developers uh, basically we have a third party javascript tag that you put into your website or we have a mobile sdk that you put into your applications and that records uh, all the interaction people are doing with your platform and it's like, uh, how long did they stay on the page? Uh, where did they click? Where did they scroll? And all this interaction is sent to our dashboard, to our data pipeline and converted into um, actionable insights for our customers. So they can narrow down and see, uh, I want to see all the person uh, browsing on mobile on this specific day that put three items in, that, in their cart, but did not buy afterwards. So because we gather all information, we can allow people to spe filter specifically on what they want after the fact, as opposed to uh, Google Analytics, where you have to initially tag what you want to track. So people that are going to use Content Square are definitely not developers. Uh, it's people that are here to optimize the funnel conversion or UX designer to see where there might be some uh, frustration in terms of um, user experience. This is not developers. And this was like the... The, the the main 
mind shift I had to do when I joined Content Square that I was not here to build a community of people that like what the company is doing, like I was doing at Algolia. At Algolia, I wanted to build a community of people building stuff with Algolia. That was not the, that's not the case at Content Square. It's not about having people like, it's not about having developers liking what Content Square is doing because they're never going to use the product. It's more about the people that are already inside the company. That's those people. My community are the people that are already employees of Content Square. I want to help them have their technical expertise recognized by the outside world. They are really talented and they share their information internally uh, between coworkers and between teams, but they don't really share outside. They, before I joined, they never really released anything in open source. They didn't write that much blog post or go into conferences. And I'm here to help them do that. So we can give back to the community as a company, but as individual, they will all grow in their career because every blog post you write, every talk you do, every stuff you release in open source, uh, it's going to stay with you even after your time at Content Square. It's going to be something you will put on your resume even after you leave Content Square, because let's be honest, they are not going to stay at Content Square their whole life. So uh, we obviously want them to stay as long as we can because we are providing them a space where they can grow and have their technical expertise recognized. But at some point they will leave because that's how life is done. But we want them to remember their time at Content Square as a time where they grew and where they learned a lot and where they will keep seeing around them how it was great working at Content Square, that they would be proud of putting on their resume, I was an engineer at Content Square, just like people are proud of saying, I was an engineer at Netflix because this will help our Content Square brand being recognized as a great place to grow. And my emphasis is really on helping my coworkers uh, grow in their career through the sharing of knowledge. This is the, the complete shift between what I was doing at Algolia and what I'm doing at Content Square. At Algolia, I wanted to have as many people not knowing about Algolia now using it and at Content Square, it's people that are already employees. I want them to be recognized for what they do outside of the company. So it's completely different. Actually, it took me a while to change my mindset and my uh, reflex of how to do this job because it's completely different. But it's still DevRel in a sense that for me, DevRel sits, it's an interface between uh, the group of developers that are working at a specific company and the group of developers that are not working in this company like the rest of the world. And somehow, as a developer person, you are this interface between those two worlds. And you, sh you for one reason or another, you need to have those two groups uh, interact. And my goal, my, mm, yeah, what, what I do is for the people already here to help them grow, stay as long as possible, and also open a window to how it is to work at Content Square so more people join us and it's easier for the hiring team. So if, if I were to speak into KPI or KRS terms, it's really about the retention of people already here and the uh, the hiring funnel of people that are joining us because they have a positive image of what it would be to be working here. That's really interesting because it's such a different perspective. And I mean, I guess that that uh, that changes too when the size when you have such a large size of the company where your internal community is so large, um, there's so much talent and there's so much uh, you know content that can be derived from that. That that's that's really you know the goal. It's it, it's it's very interesting. How do you 
How did you, you, you said it took you a while to adopt into that role. What were the kind of major differences um, that, 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 that you really found and how did you kind of like go about overcoming them to, to, to kind of fit into this new role where you're, you're dealing with the, the, internal, the, the internal side of it? I really had my reflex was, were really about building a community of people sharing a common interest. That's what I was doing at Algolia. People having an interest with search or API or whatever, and uh, I wanted to be a thought leader on in this community. It's not going to happen at Content Square. We're not going to be a thought leader on how to be a good employee at Content Square. That doesn't make any sense. So it's more about trying to identify who uh, among the current employee are already involved in external communities. Um, most of our developers are already somehow involved into external communities just because they are reading blog posts. Like data engineers are reading blog posts about written by other data engineers going to conferences for data engineers. Our front-end engineers are writing, reading blog posts and going to conferences for front-end. But they are mostly right now uh, passively consuming what others are creating. And I'm trying to shift it to more actively uh, create content for the community they're already part of, but instead of being passively consuming, they will be actively contributing. And this is the shift. It's not about building your own community. It's giving back to the community you're already part of. And I'm not to decide which community we are part of. I just have to see who inside the company is already part of external communities and help them give back to those communities by, if they want to host an event in our, in our office in Paris, uh, we can do that. If they want us to sponsor a conference, they go every year, we can definitely do that. Like we, we need to see where they are and I have to identify who in the company is pretty active and wants to participate and wants to give back and find this energy in the different people and really empower them to do more with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, knowing they have the company behind them to help them do more than they would be able to do individually. Do you do you find that this type of role is is as rewarding or more rewarding than the traditional advocacy? If there's people listening that kind of maybe appealing to this, you know, is this? Do you do you get the same kind of um, I don't know fluffy inside feeling that you get when you create that community and you know you put on that meetup and you know you. You spark some interesting conversations. Um, you know, like what what what's the what's the motivation in this? And, and... it's it's very different. I I've, I think what made me happy or what made me feel like I was I had a fulfilling job changed over the years. Uh, I used to really like traveling and going to other countries and conferences and doing talks and. I love being on stage and sharing what I know. And I love this feeling of I'm part of a community. I'm sharing, I'm teaching you stuff and you're going to build stuff with it. I realized that it does not scale on an individual level. Uh, you cannot go to every conference you are invited to. You cannot write as many blog posts as you would like to write individually. And I, after four years at Algolia, I left Algolia being burned out by having done too much DevRel uh, and I left saying I'm not going to do DevRel anymore. That's uh, way too much taxing on my energy, on my personal life, on the boundary between 
professional life and personal life is fuzzy. The work-life balance is hard to find. And uh, the advantages of this kind of job and life uh, were not good enough for me at that time. Now I feel like working from the shadows, helping others shine and empower them, uh, that's what gives me this fuzzy feeling inside. Like when somebody tells me, thank you very much for having helped me writing this blog post or doing this talk. I want to do another one. I really liked it. This is what uh, really makes me feel I did a good job. It's no longer about public recognition like I could, I loved previously. It's about making sure i more local, helping people around me uh, shine. And I was happy enough to be a developer advocate in this rising star Algolia at the beginning. And it opened me so many doors and opportunities professionally that I would love other people to be able to enjoy it as well. That's really cool. And and hearing about developer burnout uh, is really a surprise because we've never heard this before. Not kidding. <laughs> I feel like every episode is like I was nearby the, the burnout. Um, yeah. One one thing that I find interesting with being a developer enabler is the risk attached to it, which is um, I've seen uh, I've seen situations where you're helping different developers within the company to produce content or to participate to external events, and then when there is some rush, when there is some pressure to deliver on the software engineering team, you're no longer the priority. And so being able to maintain uh, continuity with your targets uh, gets really, really hard. Did you have the commitment from day one from the management about we will make sure that developers consider helping you doing your role as a developer advocate, developer enabler, uh, as important of the rest of their um, core activities? Yes and no. Uh, Yes, in theory, in practice, there was no rule or nothing to enforce it, but it was a message that was given. I'm lucky enough at Content Square to be part of a team that is called the CTO office, meaning uh, we are a team of six and we are um, managing directly by the CTO. So it means that we we are a team of six working on very transversal project inside the companies. Uh, any we have the most experienced and senior backend engineer, the most experienced frontend engineer, someone working on internal knowledge and various stuff. We we have people that are like uh, uh, the the A team. We all have our specialty in different area, and we're working cross team to to see everything. But the nice thing about that is that. I can just go see the CTO and say, oh, uh, this is not working. I would need you to say a little message that it's important that people write blog posts. And we say, okay, sure, I will do that. So there is nothing that uh, if people don't want to do it, there, there is, I mean, like they, they have no personal objective into writing blog posts or doing talks, but it's part of the message and the culture of the company to say, if you want to do it, uh, we, are support, we are going to support you. And we would like the company to be writing more blog posts and doing more talks. So that's why it's a yes and no in, in, in theory. Yes, in practice, nothing enforces it, but it still happens. And I'm currently at a stage where if if tomorrow everybody wants to write a blog post, uh, the pipeline will just explode because I'm the only one reviewing everything. So that's just not going to work. But even if one out of 10 person right now write a blog post, we can still uh, fit that into the blog pretty well. 
So, so far it's, it's working and my whole job is really to make sure um, I'm no longer needed. Uh, I documented everything, I automated everything so people that want to write a blog post can just write one and publish one and be mostly autonomous on it. So today the goal for me is just I talk with my coworkers. I'm interested in what they're working on and if they tell me about uh, the latest bug they had or the new technology they tried or something weird that happened in production, I try to tell them, oh, maybe you could write a blog post about that or maybe I know a meetup that would be interested in you doing a talk about that. And sometimes I plant a seed like this. Sometimes it will grow into a talk. Sometimes it will not. Sometimes it will... Some people love when you say that to them and uh, one week after they already have a draft for their blog post, some people are swamped by their roadmap and they cannot do it right now, but it will happen. And at the scale of the company, I don't need to have everything happen overnight. Uh, you just plant the seed and it will get back to you. My idea is that uh, I said we are about 400. So it means that if every developer writes one blog post per year, we're still able to publish one blog post every day on our blog. So mm -hmm. this is how I see it scaling. Yeah, that's, uh, it's it's amazing to have to kind of uh, tap into that to that resources that you have there. I feel like uh, there's so much missed opportunity in terms of talent uh, when it comes into that because I, when we when I speak to a lot of DevRel people, a lot of them don't think of themselves as these you know, super engineers that have come through, but they often have other skills such as being able to speak, being able to translate complicated topics into digestible bits. Um, you know, but I love the concept of being able to kind of tie tie that and you being, a, you know, a coach into helping uh, these really talented engineers be able to express uh, these. And I think that's of huge value to the community. But, but I have a question about where you sit in the company. So myself, I'm part of the you know the marketing the marketing team. We're all about we're a very developer focused company at Guardian. Um, uh, so it's all about kind of creating a good experience with with those developers. Yeah. Now your role seems slightly different because it's almost as if you're part of the uh, kind of uh, how would I how would I describe it? Kind of the the, the company uh, responsibility, kind of community responsibility, let's call it, you know, like rather than the marketing team. Where, where, where do you fit? Are you in the marketing team? Is there a marketing goal to this? Or are you part of corporate responsibility? That's the word that I was trying to find. Are you more part of that corporate responsibility to kind of produce good community content and and as part of that to kind of say, let's let's help the community because the community helps us? From a hierarchy point of view, I'm definitely part of the what is called the R&D team, which is the tech team of uh, mm -hmm. Content Square. I'm not part of the marketing. Uh, the It's kind of a spin-off of marketing. For a long time before I joined, marketing was kind of leading those efforts, but because they are, they are really good at doing marketing for everybody except developers. So when, when right. they start talking to developers, they don't have the the right etiquette the right words you can see as a developer we have a bullshit detector really high so we when somebody tells you my product is perfect everything we, we do works 
we don't trust you. We want to see why it fails, when it fails, what are the failure, and then we will trust you when you're transparent about what does not work. And marketing does not usually do that for mass marketing of everyday people. So they had really hard time marketing to developers. So it was a joint effort between the uh, talent acquisition team, specifically for dev and marketing, but nobody really spoke the language. So this is why I came in and I'm kind of a spin-off. I have my own budget. Uh, I can ask marketing access to some of their tools if I want to do something, but I'm really doing my thing on my side, uh, specifically for developers. I'm targeting developers and only developers, and they stop targeting developers. And we share some tools internally, but mostly they, they're really happy to know, not have to use part of their budget for tech events that they don't know how to handle and that now I can take care of that. So we're I'm definitely not part of marketing. Uh, I, I really like uh, how you describe your role as a developer enabler. And now I, I feel like we should have a t-shirt developer enabler for you ready <laughs> for next time. Um, more seriously, uh, you talked extensively about your ambition and your KPIs and how you organize yourself at the moment. So what's the future? Uh, where is the DevRel activity in five years? Are you is, is Are things going to stay still as you've described it or are they going to evolve? I have no idea how DevRel is going to evolve. A few years ago, I didn't even know the job existed. Uh, now I did the, I have the, I had the same job title in two different companies and the job is very different. So I'm pretty sure there are other ways of doing DevRel that I even never heard of yet. So I have no idea where it's going, but I feel like we are moving a bit like the DevOps movement where it was a philosophy and then it become a job title you're a devops engineer which doesn't make any sense so you have some devrel engineer that are doing everything at once and so i think the whole um environment of devrel will settle into what exactly do you do but uh, i feel it's still a very small community and uh, we are pretty much all on the same slack and going to the same conferences and i can see that we all struggle with the same issues so it's still not defined there's still no playbook on how to do this job uh, i have no idea how it's going to evolve um, but I've been a developer for a long time and when I was pretty young and I joined a company with more senior developers and I was really excited about this new JavaScript framework that I showed them and this and that and they basically told me that's fine but where are your unit tests and where is your tooling, where is your monitoring and uh, you know we already did that in Java 20 years ago and I was like shut up you don't know that's that's a feature that's, that's so great. And now I'm 10 years older and I'm seeing what is actually released in the JavaScript world. And I feel like, but you're solving problems that we already solved 20 years ago. And I feel like we're going to have the same thing in DevRel. New people joining that will uh, just face the same issue that we faced, uh, find maybe the same solution and market it with a new name or find a new solution. But the DevRel environment is not old enough. So there are... Uh, clear terms for everything. Even our job title, they are not clearly defined. So I'm pretty sure we'll just reinvent the wheel for a few years until we settle on something that seems to be working. And at, at Content Square, how would you like things to evolve towards to? Uh, so I was really uh, lucky 
to have a manager when he hired me to tell me that uh, he basically wanted me to define how I want this job to be done because I have been hired to define the DevRel strategy. So I would be the one defining how DevRel at Content Square should be done. So I sat. This is when I really moved away from this community building thing and tried to think uh, differently. And I was talking about the, we all have the same struggles and I, Apart from burnout, I think one of the other main struggles of DevRel is that we're always asked by our management and N plus two, N plus three to give metrics and numbers and OKR and KPIs about what we do. And this is really, really hard to do because uh, basically in DevRel, we are trying to build trust through meaningful relations, uh, interpersonal meaningful relations. So quantifying trust is hard. Whenever there are people involved, it's harder. And uh, how do you quantify meaningful interaction? Like it's something that it's really hard to quantify. Um, I tried really hard to never fall into what is called the McNamara fallacy. So I learned the term recently. I knew the principle, but I didn't know it had a name. So the McNamara fallacy means that it's when you consider that uh, everything that is important can be quantified. And if it cannot be quantified, then it's not important. Uh, meaning that what we do in DevRel, it's easy to have the metrics on the number of persons that read this blog post or the number of retweets, but that's not really important. What it's, I don't care if hundreds of people read my blog post. What I care about is, is one did one of them implement what I said in, in, in their company? Did it help them? Uh, did they share the information with the other person? That's what is important to me. Mm. But it's really hard to quantify this. So I initially defined some KPI for myself about I want to have that many blog posts released and help that many person do talks. And I want to have specifically a blog post on that topic because it's important for us. And I did not really manage to reach my objective because because there's COVID and there's the war in Ukraine and there's so many things that's happening and changing the stuff you, you had planned that, that DevRel is not going to work like this for me. So instead, I think that DevRel works by giving first and having rewards later. You need to give to the community if you want to have something back. So you cannot expect people outside of your company to say good things about your company or be happy about what's happening at Content Square if you're not giving them something first, if you're not giving to the company first. So what I'm doing now is that I'm quantifying what I call gifts and rewards. Gift is everything we are giving to the outside community in the sense of writing a blog post, uh, doing a talk, hosting an event, sponsoring a conference, uh, releasing open source, um, putting two people um, uh, helping two people interact together. Like uh, I, when we discussed la last time, Alex, I put you in touch with uh, VivaTech and I did not expect anything back from that, but it's just what I, I think in the dev world, you, you need to put people together uh, so they can build something. This is, this is the interface of DevRel. This is what I do somehow. I put people together with ideas and maybe something will come out of it. And every gift, I call that gift because I'm taking some of my time and energy and network and so on to create something and give something to the community. I just uh, fill it into a Google form that I created for myself and I fill every gift I'm giving. 
And on the other end, I have uh, another Google form for every reward. Every time something happens that I know is an outcome of one of the gifts, but I cannot predict it. It's something that happened at some point. I'm happy it happens, but I have no idea it's going to happen until it happens. Like when um, we are going to be invited to a conference because someone saw one of our talk in a meetup or one of our blog posts is linked in another blog post to compare the approaches or somebody is um, uh, applying to Content Square because they read some of our blog posts. I have no idea to know that it's going to happen until it actually happens, but I know that it's because of all the gift we give before that we're going to have this reward afterwards. So I have those two forms, two lists of stuff I give and stuff I receive, and I keep giving, giving, and I know some rewards will be coming, and this is what are my KPIs right now? I, it's the first quarter I'm trying that, so numbers are pretty arbitrary, but I say I want to give that many gifts in this quarter, and I expect that many rewards. And I'm trying to see what the ratio is and see what has an impact. I, Devrel is a really uh, creative and reactive environment. You have to do stuff that's really creative that maybe hasn't been done before because you... Uh, you want to have people like what you're doing and it has to be original compared to the other content and it has to be reactive because you react to events that are happening around you. So defining a roadmap at the start of the quarter and saying I have to do this and that, uh, it killed the creativity and killed the reactivity. So by using this more abstract concept of you have to give before you get some rewards, I hope to have a better way of doing what is important and still being able to show some numbers to uh, my N plus two and N plus three. I love a good uh, new framework. Like I, you should put some copyrights on this. So in 10 years time, we'll be like, oh, do you know the Tim Carrey framework? Oh yeah, I use that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I mean, it's so interesting because it is still definitely all part of DevRel. Um, but it just shows the scope of kind of what happens and, and the evolution of this is going to be interesting is to know where, where do we land up? Are we still all, you know, we're we definitely still in DevRel, but, uh, you know, how do we define? Because um, even just in your example, what you did uh, in Algolia and what you're doing uh, today of Content Squared is so vastly different. Yet, as you said, you have the same title, um, you know, which is, uh, yeah, which is uh, it's very interesting. And it's going to be see how, how we how we progress uh, in this and whether or not whether or not we even can define definitive roles in here that make make any sense because even everyone we speak to some people prefer developer evangelist or tech evangelist or advocate or uh, developer experience officer or you know like all these all these all these all these terms and it's it's and all are vastly different with different goals and impossible to measure KPIs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, the job title does not really matter. It's what you do behind exactly. the scene that really has an impact. Uh, I picked developer advocate because it's the most well-known term in the industry for, for people that don't really know the industry yeah. because I'm the only one in the team. That's what I decided to call myself. Maybe when we will grow the team, I might pick another job title to better reflect what I'm doing. But it's evolving so quickly. I just think I will stay with developer advocate and ch change what it means uh, according to what is needed.
Yeah, definitely. Well, we are we are coming to the end of uh, of of the allocated time. Uh, Alex, do you have any any final final questions that you you want to ask Tim before we we go into our closing segments? Yes. Uh, well, I I love to always ask the same questions because I'm looking for inspiration. So. Do you, Tim, have uh, anything that uh, you've uh, discovered recently? I mean, you uh, you mentioned uh, one or two things earlier, but uh, a book or a resource for a developer advocate and developer <laughs> relationship that you want to share, or maybe something you want to new you want to try this year that you want to share? Uh, I I think. No, I, I do not read much about DevRel. I recently watched some of the videos from the DevRelCon of uh, past years to have some ideas about when I had to define the long-term strategy. And I, it's a really great resource because you have people working in different uh, segments of the industry and different scale of the companies and seeing how they approach DevRel. Even if you cannot just replicate what they're doing, it can give you some ideas of how to start thinking about the goal of your job. So. Those videos from uh, DevRelCon were really interesting to me. Uh, the DevRel Collective Slack channel is really the main source of questions. If you want to uh, get in touch with almost any developer advocate in the business, you can just send them a private message over there. Um, apart from that, I've uh, been reading a few. I, I'm not going to say I read a few books. I started a few books. I did not finish them. So there's none that I really quote as being really interesting. I, I will send you a note when I finish one of the book and I can say, okay, this one was, was pretty great. I can, I, I, I'm, I'm halfway through a book currently, right now, the business value of developer relations. Now everyone was talking about this book and I hadn't read it. So I, I finally got, got, got around to it. And I can say it is uh, very, very interesting so far. I don't know the conclusion yet, so I can't give any spoilers away. But if you are looking for, for books on DevRel, this one's interesting. And one of the main reasons why I'm really enjoying it is because it also helps uh, provide a case for, for companies to, to, to have advocates and also give strong reasons why a company shouldn't invest in a developer advocate. Ooh. Why, you know, why, you know, like as what, what is the role of it and where it's going to provide value and where other roles um, could could be better because you know every company wants to be trendy, and uh, and you know developer advocate is a trendy role at the moment. So anyway, really liked really liked that uh, that book. Alex, what have you been? You always got your finger on the pulse of the community. What have uh, what have you been enjoying lately? Well, I actually, my uh, at the moment I'm researching conferences because everything was put on hold during those two years, and so some survived, mm -hmm. some others didn't. Some others are changing shape, um, and so this is the year where everything is starting on again, and I'm really looking around and trying to spot what's. Uh, what's coming up uh, so so maybe next uh, next episode we can share a few one we 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 spotted especially for europe uh, as we are both of us uh, are here the three of us actually um but yeah no i'm i'm all ends on researching where i'm going to spend my time this year at conferences can i okay i'll provide a tip here we 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 actually bought a subscription to a pay table that's updated with all the conferences around the world 
that are kind of related to to DevOps. And at first, I was kind of, this is ridiculous. All this information is available out there. I can spend a few minutes researching this and get the same results. And then I did that. And then I realized, actually, no, 30 euros a month is yeah. is, is well worth uh, is well worth it. So yeah, Event Navigator is what it's uh, is what it's called. Well worth the thirty bucks a month because then you can you see exactly when they are. They have if they have CFPs, when the CFP deadlines are, uh, the CFP submission links. So that's been a lifesaver for me. Um, doesn't capture all of them all the time, and it's mostly focused in DevOps world for us. But uh, yeah, I, I I have to say that's that's been a, a pretty life changing resource uh, for. For me, and then no, you can sort by. Sorry, yeah. sorry, go to. Uh, no, I was. I wanted to say that I feel like this is another of those things us DevRel people try to do at some point. Like, oh, I'm just going to build a list of all the conferences that shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> just have to scrape a few websites and let's do that. And yeah, I did the same thing at Algolia. Like, I scraped a few. Yeah. and put them into Algolia so you can have a geo search and so on, but. It's there's no federated source of truth about that. So you have so many duplicates and outdated information, and it was just not worth it in the end. And I, I haven't found the perfect solution for worldwide search of conferences on all tech subjects. I think we are will all end up going into specific niche like you for DevOps or building something specifically yeah. for content and so on. Well, I'm also amazed at how many there are. There are everywhere. So much to the point where you can pick a date and a country and go, I'd quite like to go there in June, let's say. <laughs> and then you can, <laughs> you can work. just don't tell my boss that, but yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I've been to Prague next week for a conference. So that's, 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 uh, that's going to be a good time. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Before I incriminate myself anymore, I think uh, maybe we should uh, wrap this up. So Tim, if people want to, to follow you, follow your journey and kind of uh, uh, maybe get in touch, what's, what's the best way so they can do that? So currently, the best way to get in touch with me is through Twitter. Uh, my handle is Pixelastic. We will post it, uh, I guess, in the description. Uh, but I'm thinking of moving to Mastodon uh, following the recent uh, Elon Musk uh, buying of Twitter. I'm not sure it's still a safe place to share information. And I'm on I'm on Twitter for the same reason I'm on Meetup.com because there's no really good alternative, but it's still not the best experience. Uh, so maybe I will move. Uh, you can find me with the same handle on GitHub as well. Uh, that's, if you find a profile by my name on LinkedIn, uh, that's an old test profile. I'm not answering any message over there, so don't bother. Better use Twitter. I was, I was offended why you didn't accept my LinkedIn request. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> How else are recruiters going to send you messages if you're not on LinkedIn? That's... <laughs> But before we wrap up, I'm pretty happy to have you talking with you, uh, working from uh, Git Guardian. I have actually a funny story about Git Guardian to share. Uh, nothing oh. embarrassing, don't worry. Pretty interesting, actually. Uh, do you mind if I share the story here? Oh, I would, I would love to, and I'm going to blast it on social media. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm the happy father of a little girl of three years old. So three years ago, my daughter, my my wife was pregnant, and uh, I was working from home close to her. The, she was due really soon. We didn't really know when, but I was working. And uh, I, I was working for Algolia on my computer at that time. And I needed to upload a bunch of um, images to S3. And so I had been given a 
credential key to upload my my stuff on S3 for the test. And while I was writing my code, uh, I realized like it was time to go to the hospital. My wife was about to uh, give birth, so we went there, spent one week uh, completely disconnected from work, came back home one week later with the laptop still open. I just uh, saved my work, commit, push, and moved on to other things. What happened is actually I pushed the key because it was written, I had just copy pasted it in a file somewhere. I pushed it to GitHub and it was caught by GitQuad pretty quickly. That sent a notification to the security team at Algolia and turned out that this key was actually at more rights than necessary. It was not just to upload stuff to S3. And so while I was uh, Quietly on my paternity leave, taking care of my wife and daughter, it was like the chaos at Algolia because we just leaked a very important key. And thanks to Git Guardian, we managed to they managed to know that pretty quickly and uh, change all the keys everywhere. And I knew that only when I came back from my paternity leave, like I saw all the Slack messages, like uh, crisis, crisis, there's a big problem. I was like. Okay, thank you, good guardian. You saved my ass. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, uh, I goodness. love that. It's so good to hear stories. stories uh, uh, <laughs> either I want to see some uh, money from Good Guardian on my bank account for this podcast. Either next time you let Circle CI bribe the guest to say a compelling anecdote about how the product saved his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we found the clip. I think I think we found the clip for the podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. We won't do that. But that is great. That is great to hear. And I love that. I love that story. So, yeah. And well, where that. where do people can find you on social media these days or in person maybe? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, on social media, um, you can find me uh, at or oh, everywhere the handle at Advocate Mac. Um, so please uh, please feel free to, to to follow me. Be my friend. Um, and then you can also find me, I think when we, when we'll be publishing this, you'll, you'll see me at, uh, data connectors in New York in, uh, in late May or at B sides or RSA in early June in San Francisco. So if you're around that area and even if you're not coming to the conferences, but you have, uh, if you want to have a, an interesting chat, I'd, I'd love to, to hear from you. So data connectors, B side RSA. Uh, the the next uh, three that we that I'll be be heading to and speaking at, and Alex yourself. Well, Twitter is still Alex underscore encode, and these days, uh, well, there is the AI Meetup Paris that uh, I keep organizing. So if you want to meet me, you can meet me there. And if you're interested in AI specifically, um, and otherwise, I'm trying to organize. We're going to speak at Content Square, actually. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can start talking about it. The next, uh, <laughs> the next time we'll be at Content Square because I found a very good friend there, um, <laughs> and there is a bunch of very talented people as well at, at Content Square, and then. And um, I'm trying to organize Circle CI Connect Friends, which is usually workshops or inspirational talk that uh, at Circle CI we organize or, uh, around CI/CD, and that's going to be in September as well. So there'll be many other opportunities to uh, put it down your agenda and make sure that you can meet me and like share your funny story about how CI/CD uh, happened to save your life when your wife was giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, 
it's come to that time again. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, it's been awesome, and I've certainly learned a lot from your insights and learned more about uh, what you're doing. Thanks um, so far. So, it's a great time. Yeah. Well, until next time, uh, stay safe, and I uh, hope to see you all on the next episode. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Cheers.